top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the soccer show bringing you all the action from England and Italy. I am your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, how are you doing tonight? A little tired, a little exhausted. Um, been a busy week, but happy to be back. Happy to get another installment of Top Bins going on. And uh, happy that, you know, football or as we call it here in the United States, soccer is back. You know, had a great weekend of games. I can't wait to talk about them. Soccer, couch hill, football, football, however you like to call it. I was in the mountains this weekend, full disclosure. So I had no Wi-Fi and no service. So we were recording this on Wednesday in part because I had some catching up to do, some homework to get through uh, to actually be able to talk about these games. I had to watch them, catch up on highlights. It was the first weekend of the Serie A being back, and that is where we're going to start the show tonight. We're going to start in Italy. We're going to start with the reigning champions, Milan, a 4-2 will, 4-2 win over Udinese. Uh, pretty good showing from the champions here. You know, four goals. The uh, wasn't really how they won their title last season. It was more on the defensive side, right? Shutting out a lot of teams, uh, especially in the last two months of the season. But um, Ante Rebic looked great. Uh, we were constantly pining for him to be healthy last season, and he just never was able to get that consistency. Uh, looked great today, or the other day, I should say. Brahim Diaz, also fantastic. A, a maligned player, I would say. Yes. Um, this tracks with him, because I think the biggest complaint about Brahim Diaz has been his inconsistency. So for him to be have a, a huge hand in all four goals Milan scored, uh, you know, on the opening day of the season, I think kind of actually uh, in a way tracks with Brahim a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he's been, even after the game, people were still, you know, talking down on him and this and that. And I saw something interesting online where they showed his heat map and he seems to drift to the right of right side of the field. Now a lot of people are saying, could he potentially be Milan's like answer for, for a right winger? Uh, and, and as De Ketelari kind of comes into the, the squad a little bit more, um, I'm, I think he got 20 minutes of game time against Udinese. But as he as he starts feeling more comfortable, I'm assuming that he's going to play that number 10 role. Uh, you got to upgrade over Messias and, and Salamacher. So Raheem could be that guy. And I mean, he had a very, very strong showing up against Udinese. They didn't start out well. Uh, Udinese getting an early corner goal. Um and then, and then Milan kind of had to play catch-up. They got it back real quick. Arguable penalty call. Uh, but the second goal by Rebic was very well taken. Uh, you know, you mentioned Rebic. He, he seems to be the guy that has the most quality when it comes to his strikes on the ball. You know, Giroud is kind of more of like goal poacher, that, that kind of tall guy in the box. Ibra slowly phasing out. So, and Milan needs that 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 striker that has that kind of quality in front. And although he's more naturally like a winger on the left hand side, he he shows his quality. But you know, you talk about that consistency; he has to continue to do that. Strong showing. Um, Leao kind of looked out of it, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure he'll come around. Tonali didn't even play. Um, ben Asser played uh, alongside. Who was his partner in the midfield? I can't even remember. It was Krunic. Um, yeah, Krunic, who he's Milan's Swiss Army knife. I think that uh, for the time being right now, uh, since they don't have another midfielder, I do think that he is 
you know, a decent option there. He he did he played well. Um, he did what he needed to do. Milan got some showings of their new signings. Uh, De Catalari came in. Origi came in. Origi had a couple chances or potential chances if Salamakers had better quality in his decision making. His work rate is amazing. His decision making is terrible. Um, he took a he took like a a ball over the top first time on a shot and and didn't get anywhere near the net, but he could have t- settled it and played it across or he would have had a tap in. So, you know, obviously first game, a lot of kinks to to work out for Milan, but a strong showing against a side that always gives them trouble. Yeah, on the Udinese side, Rodrigo Bacal has scored five goals for Udinese, three of them against Milan. So he mm-hmm. is the, uh, the Rossoneri killer, uh, but not in, this, not in this one, of course. All three points going to Milan. Good way to start off your title defense. Um, and I, I was I was overall pretty impressed with them, I'd say. You know, it's, it's a good yeah. start to the season. They have some decent depth, too. Um, you know, they made some signings. Still a little worried about that midfield, I would say. Um, I think long-term for this season, that's probably something you'd like to see them shore up over the next two weeks of the transfer window. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, you know, put put a lot of the fears to rest, I think, a little bit about this team. But it's a, it's a long season. Don't want to get carried away with the first result. The next one, Fiorentina 3, Cremonese 2. Radu, self-sabotage. <laughs> gave the title to Milan last year with a mistake for Inter. Uh, gave Fiorentina a true gift of three points uh, on the, the first day of the season. Crazy. Just a bizarre decision to allow the ball to travel into the net and catch it. Um, I'm not sure what his thought process there was at all. Uh, just bizarre decision-making. Cremonese did not look particularly good in this game. Uh, this was the team. I think I believe we both picked to go down, and did not convince me very much that that was going to change. They had a few like brief moments, right? Uh, obviously scored two goals in this, but um, the decision making, I think the passing um, organization, little worried about them. Luka Jovic starting this season off with a goal. He's already good. like a, he's already gotten like half of his tally that he had as a Real Madrid Real Madrid player, so that's nice. Uh, good to good to have that back. Um, you know, Fiorentina is a team too that I think there's been a lot of optimism about, especially last season. It was finished pretty well, you know, all things considered, especially when you you factor in they lost Vlahovic, but you know, they get Jovic over the summer, they get a few other good signings, and it, it's the right start uh, of the season for them. You know, keeping pace already mm-hmm. with uh, you know the rest of like the the top half of the table, because realistically, Fiorentina, I would imagine want to be finishing in, in European places this year. So uh, it's good to have three points right off the the, the bat. And um, Luka Jovic, I think, finding his form again could be huge because he's a permanent player too, by the way. It's not mm-hmm. like he's on some loan deal. Um, so, you know, should he revitalize his career? You know, there's the resale factor, of course, which has been Fiorentina's kind of uh, kind of calling card method. Uh, your boy Bonaventura is scoring in this one as well. Um, yeah, a little worried about where Carmen Azar are going. At halftime, there was the the tunnel camera, and and uh, I think uh, Jovic was talking to Kwame, and uh, he, he, Jovic kind of had his back against the wall, his eyes closed, kind of like exhaling, looking up. It seemed like maybe he was like nervous, obviously trying to get that new start, new footing. He did have a goal already; he scored in the first half. But I guess you know he wanted to continue that and and make sure you know they solidified the win. And, you know, Kwame was kind of hyping him up. So Teal came over and was giving him, like, little pointers here and there. And then, you know, he steps out. He, he got a couple, like, half chances in the second half. But, yeah, it, nice start for him. Uh, good start for Fiorentina. Obviously, it's just the first game. But uh, so you don't want to look a little too into too much into Cremonese, giving them that game that they had. Both teams, I'm pretty sure, had a red card, right? Or no, 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 sorry, just Cremonese had a red card. And that error, oh, my God. I texted you, and you were like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got to see this. It was Something was, was tough for me because I had, I had that and then the Spurs-Chelsea game popping off. And I would maybe get, like, two minutes of, of being able to, like, scroll the Twitter feed and see something. And all I saw was Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte uh, about to fight each other and maybe yeah, we'll kiss talk about that. at midfield. We'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> and then I saw your text about the Fiorentina game. I saw your text about Lazio. Like, it was all over the place. Uh, yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I but, had a nice um, day of playing FIFA and watching soccer on Sunday. It was great. Well, you deserve it. Um, so, yeah, Fiorentina, good win. I, I like the way they're trending. 
it's a, it's a good start to the season for them. Shall we move to Inter 2, Lecce 1, Inter Milan. My pick for the title. Doing it again. You know, this is what title winners do, Dom. They get late. They get the late winners. They do the hard work. I found this stat on the, from Sky Sports Italia. Uh, Le vittoria all'ultimo respiro. It's uh, mm -hmm. winning goals in the 90th minute uh, by manager Simone Inzaghi. Has, uh, has 10 so 2014-2015 in Serie A. That is the most. Uh, he had another one, of course, over the weekend. Denzel Dumfries, our boy, my boy at least, uh, Yours. crash in the back, crash in the back post. He almost got, he almost had a, a a nice goal earlier in the game, hit it off the post. This time though, the winner, by any means necessary, we call it. Just throw your hip at the damn thing, you know. Get the ball in the net. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be pretty. Ninety-six minute winner to get a uh, their their fifth straight, I believe, opening day win, uh, which is a you know a big run of victories for them. All three listen, points goes to them. Listen, league winners go out and comfortably win their first game of the season 4-2 and then still realize there's work to be done and improvements to be made. League winners do not go against a newly promoted side. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports team's Go to work, and with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Basically predicted to be last place this season and have to go down to the last minute and then celebrate like they won the UEFA Champions League. There, there's just dip, there's levels here, all right? So, look, first game of the season. I I know we can't look too much into it, but goddamn, Lecce taking Inter Milan for a game. There's some kinks that need to be worked out there. Uh, Inter heavily outplayed them, I would say. <laughs> I You know, it's one of those. Lecce had their chances. Lecce had their chances, sure, sure. I'm not going to deny them that, but um, I, I think on any other day, this is probably a more comfortable Inter win. Um uh, Lukaku starts it off, scores like a minute and a half in his debut. Uh, so that's that's good. Uh, I mean, listen, we don't know though because he looked very good on his debut uh, against Arsenal. He so he's like, let's let's cool it. But um, has scored again on his debut for Inter Milan. Uh, figure that one out. That's gonna that's gonna be a great like bar trivia. Like what player has scored twice on his debut for against the same team because he also scored against Lecce in the uh, the 1920 season. So um, listen. I, I still feel the same way that I, I felt uh, in preseason about Inter, that they're, they're my favorite to win the title. Um, some of that is complicated by some of the Juventus stuff that we've seen, and uh, apparently Memphis Depay is going there now. We'll see. Um, but I still think Inter probably has the strongest squad, and it's it's too early to tell you know, definitively who's really the best in Serie A, but um, I didn't see anything in this game that worried me beyond belief. The player I do like from inter actually and this basically uh plays into more of like the italian national team and the need for a better left back than emerson uh federico di marco is pretty good he, he's come around for them the last like year or so and and he he's very keen to go forward he's very solid defensively he had a couple chances of his own um which really really Looks like it could be an option for Inzaghi moving forward. Um, I don't know how that'll get on with this three-five-two system with Bastoni on the bench. Um, DiMarco will probably be coming off the bench. Or, I mean, they also have uh, Dumfries. They could run four defender sets at some point in the season based off of matchups or, or squad personnel. So Inter, Inter do have 
you know, the flexibility in their, in their squad depth to be able to bring different types of tactics and different types of situations. And, and that is really threatening and, 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 you know, signs that they'll, they'll do very well this year. Yeah. I would say just, you know, depth in general inter are the strongest in as well and quality of depth, I would say. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's why they're still my title pick. Uh, 523 passes for Inter to Leche's 184. We call that controlling the zone, I would say. Um, you know, so I, I would say a well-deserved win for Inter, uh, even though it didn't. It wasn't the prettiest, which is fine. It doesn't always have to be. Uh, but I think a, a good start to the season for them is, is they're certainly going to be pushing, uh, you know, for the title this year. I'd be very surprised if they're not. On Monday, we had Napoli and the Aventus play. They cruised to wins Napoli, a 5-2 thriller um, in which Kevin Lasagna knocked, uh, gets knocked out by his teammates uh, during the celebration. Lost the tooth. You hate to see it. Um, Hilarious. Napoli, though, putting putting to bed a little bit of the, the concerns about them, I would say. But still, you know, we'll see how the season progresses. But a team I certainly wasn't very high on, um, at least has a strong start to the year. Uh, and not only that, they've also made a couple signings. Uh, they signed uh, Tanga uh, in Dombele, and they also signed uh, Raspadori, and so they, they seem to be seem to be coming along in the transfer market late and uh, making some making some waves that'll make them competitive this year. Now, were those confirmed? Because I've not seen that confirmed. I think I think in Dombele was confirmed, um, but not Raspadori a hundred percent. So Romano got the uh, okay. Romano's got them both. So. Pretty close, I would say. You know, yeah, but, yeah. Those those are both good signings. Um, Raspadori, especially, you know, is is a really good deal for them. Uh, maybe I was a little too down on them. Who knows? I just, you know, still, I, th- I think they lost some key players. That's always hard to, to take, but a strong. Well, oh, oh, win. yeah. The third third player they took uh, Verona's uh, striker from them. They brought in uh, Simeone as well. That I think is definitely confirmed because he was in Naples. Uh, I did not even realize that they got Simeone. So this is what wearing, happens when Matt goes yeah. on vacation. Uh, hey, hey. Yeah, he was wearing jorts, and everybody was calling and making fun of him uh, because uh, because of that. Jorts are pretty European, I would say. That's like a European move right there. So George Lopez. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Juventus cruised to a three 0 win over Sassuolo. Our boy Dusan Vlahovic. Two goals to his name. Angel Di Maria. A goal. Get the, cane, get the canes out, though. Uh, dude, ha- he has a hip adductor injury. You gotta hit the adductor machines. Nobody wants to do it because it doesn't look cool. But I'm telling you, as you get older, hip mobility and flexibility is what you need. No oh, more. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. No, no more ego squats. No more. No more benching three plates. What, you're trying to. You're trying to. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I'm just saying. You know what? Like as you get older. Work on that mobility and flexibility. It's way more important. It's all about injury prevention as you get older, rather than just Facts. looking uh, looking stacked. So uh, I, I tell all the all the players that I coach, I tell them the same thing. When we do our workouts, I'm like, look, we're gonna do a mobility section. It's gonna be it, it, some of these movements are kind of weird, but it's, it, it's going to help. Trust me. Anybody who's me. past the age of 25 listening to this right now. Hip your mobility. your lower back and hips will thank you very much for, for taking um, the time to stretch it out and be lumber and limber lumber i don't know you don't want to be lumber you want to be limber yeah, yeah. <laughs> um both roman clubs also getting off to a good start roma maybe the most hyped team in all of europe <laughs> coming into this uh season had uh i would call an underwhelming victory against salernitana i think it was um, comfortable though yeah it, it was just comfortable Again, I I don't think I'm even being facetious by saying that they were probably like top five most hyped team in all of Europe coming into the season. Um, 100%. And wasn't quite the fireworks. Dybala looked good, though. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a win. Doesn't matter necessarily how you get it. I think the control looked well. good, too. Zaniolo did look good. Uh, and it seems like he's actually staying in Roma, so we'll see. Uh, he did his usual kind of dribble in and take a 27 yard pot shot which almost worked for him but uh, he does he does kind of have an eye for a little bit of the the solo magic every now and again for a guy who usually doesn't come off for it but uh good win for them Lazio my surprise team of the season my team I think is going to do very well I mean talk about some heart palpitations from me because you know it's 
crazy game. Uh, Immobile ends up uh, getting what would be the winning goal. Uh, bad debut for Maximiano. Uh, the Lazio goalkeeper handles the ball outside of the penalty area and gets a red card uh, very early in the game, which, um, you know, I think you add in that context. You add in that context, and it makes it, you know, a, a little better, right? You know, they, they play the first half, a man down until Samaria gets a red card. So uh, you're playing with 10 men. It's very typical of what we, we saw from Lazio last year, where they kind of just have these crazy games and these game to game they're so weird um i can't think of too many weirder things than two red cards in the first half and you, sort of the game opening up the way it did in the second half it felt felt very lazio to me and how we sorry ball we baby expect them. That, that is sorry ball baby um they keep this team together though i think you know i like where lazio's headed that's that's all i'll say uh, mm-hmm. but a, a good opening weekend in syria really enjoyed it really enjoyed having syria back uh, especially because they they like to do the afternoon games which i appreciate you know give you give you some more time throughout your day to uh, to get over to it shall we no. move to england oh yes let's move on to england. shall we move to england oh where are my oh, hater man. glasses baby oh man listen when when so i had to work on saturday and and it was conveniently timed at the same time the Milan game was on. Luckily, on CBS Sports, they had the Milan game on. But I didn't want to put it on both TVs. So on the other TV, I looked to see if there was some Prem games on, and Manchester United versus Brentford came on. And I thought to myself, I say, oh, they're playing Brentford. This could be entertaining. So I put it on the other TV. I'm mainly watching the Milan game. Next thing I know, when I go over and I look at the TV for the Manchester United game, it's 2-0 already. And I'm just like, all right, I got to divert my attention over here real quick. It was, oh, man. If, if you I'm going to tell you this. Manchester United lost 4-0 to Brentford. On Saturday, I went on almost a six-hour <laughs> hike. A six-hour hike on Saturday. I oh. went to the top of a mountain, Dom. Literally... Mm-hmm. And metaphorically, because I coming down the mountain, I was starting to get a little bit of spotty service, and I turn on, I turn on my phone, I look at Twitter, I look at your texts, and I'm like, damn, I have, I just reached the top of the mountain yet again with this for nothing after 35 goddamn minutes. You gotta <laughs> love it. There's nothing better. There really isn't. Um, than me. Sorry. I got this. I got this text from you, in the afternoon, in all caps. Glory, glory, Man United, LMAO. And that, <laughs> I don't know how you sum, sum it up any better than that, actually. Uh, let's talk about the game a little bit. David De Gea, two of the worst mistakes I've ever seen, and I still don't think he's getting nearly enough blame for it. I mean, the first goal is awful. I think if I'm coaching a 10-year-old and they make that mistake, I'm subbing them. I'm getting them out of that game because that's ridiculous. Terrible, terrible save. The second goal is one of the most insane. That's like when you're playing FIFA and you press the wrong button. It's like so unbelievable for that to happen in real life that you would make a pass, put your defender under such pressure when Bedford had almost three men surrounding your area. You make that kind of pass. It's stupid. You put your team in such a terrible hole. Uh, Ivan Tony had an amazing pass for that fourth goal for uh, Brian Mbwemo. To get in the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Lissandro Martinez gets absolutely bullied by Ben Mee. He gets subbed at halftime. That's got to feel nice. Your your record signing of the summer. Uh, Dorfman himself can't uh, can't bang in the the. He's got to pay. You got to play a three at the back system to conform to Lissandro Martinez. Cool. Oh man. Uh, Ten Hag had this to say. We well, had a lot to say, but I I pulled out my favorite sentence because I think this could sum up Manchester United not just for this Brentford game, but I think over the last ten years. Are you ready? Three words. It was naive. Yes, it was very naive, Eric Ten Hag. It was yeah. naive that you could you thought you could just walk in and get David De Gea 
who no one has gotten to be able to pass out of the back uh, to do so. I don't know if you saw this too. Lissandro Martinez was taking goal kicks. He was taking goal kicks for De Gea because they don't trust him to pass out of the back. You stop doing that when you're like 12. Oh, man. And that's just because you don't have the leg strength to kick it. You just get like your best, your like biggest kid, essentially, to kick the ball far enough. It's insane. I just, I, I can't believe Listen, it. I, I can't believe, it, I, I can't believe our luck. I can't believe that this is my life. I thought I peaked when it was Liverpool 5, Manchester United nil. No. When it was Liverpool 4, Manchester United. Like, I truly think that's about as good as it gets for me. The only way that gets better if it's in a cup final, right? And I'm going to eat my words when we have a terrible performance against them on Monday. But watching them all summer gloat and brag about Eric Ten Hag, the young stud manager who also happens to be 52, and his contemporaries are Jurgen Klopp and Max Allegri. Talk about Ten Hag ball. If I have to hear that sentence again. Listen, Ten Hag ball means you're playing Christian Eriksen at one of the pivots in a 4-2-3-1. And that makes no sense. That makes no it. sense. Keep like, doing it. More. I don't understand why like Bruno and uh, Eriksen aren't switched. Like it, it makes no sense to me. I don't know what what kind of ideas are going through Ten Hag's head. I absolutely enjoy seeing Ronaldo have hissy fits on the field every five minutes as well. That oh well, did you hear? In hilarious. two weeks, we're gonna get the true story on on everything that's happened with Ronaldo. He's gonna have a tell all, I guess, where oh, he's gonna he's God. gonna talk all about how he's been so wronged. The true victim in all this is Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, just one like equal one prayer. You yeah, know, like true, it's just so the sad. The true for victim that guy. is Manchester United Football Club because they brought Ronaldo back and and he's just killing the team from inside. Oh, say that one more time, Dom. <laughs> say it one more time. Oh my God, it's like walking out of a. A freezer onto the beach. It's just so warm and refreshing. I feel like it's been pretty apparent for the last few years. It's been apparent. When I know, but there's something. There's something about this United. one. There's something about this one because the cockiness was back this summer off of some preseason mm-hmm. results. That you know, like they weren't that confident going to last year with Ole, and then they got Ronaldo and Varane, and they got taken back down to earth. And fair enough. But there's a lot of doom and gloom in the second half of the season. This summer, they were like. Like that, the the switch flipped, and they're all back in like it was 2008, and listen, it is just amazing. Listen, no one scored uh, a goal for United this year. It is all it is own goal. That's it. I love United, it. United, United spending all the money to bring in Verona Ronaldo is very similar, sort of, to the 200 million that Milan spent in 2017, and it was like, oh, we are back. We are so rich. Like all this. Remember, remember those scars. And then they were just absolutely terrible. Look at this. They're splashing all this money. They're bringing in Ronaldo. They brought in Ronaldo. They brought in Varane last year. They brought in Martinez. They brought in Erickson. They brought in whoever else. And just and they just fail to succeed. And I think that we all love it because their fans are so annoying. And it's it's this is something we're both on the same page, and we just bask in it. It's just wonderful. I've had to, I had to listen to it my whole life, and there's yep. nothing sweeter than me <laughs> than downloading a United fan podcast and listening to them melt down. <laughs> I got to tell you, I just you're praying on the downfall. I wish nothing but the worst for my enemies, and uh, it's great to see. I'll say this: they're praying on a downfall. Absolutely, 100% every night. I don't go to bed without praying on United's downfall. Um, I'll say this. Arsenal started out similarly last season, very poorly, and were able to turn it around. It is not inconceivable to me that United figure this out. It seems terrible now, right, because you're in the moment. I don't think it's impossible that in March they're in a better position. However, I did a lot of listening to Eric Ten Hag. This dude sounds exo- first of all the narrative and the discussion around this sounds like more like January February type of talk where it's like people are exhausted with this situation already and already you're hearing like rumors about players not liking Ten Hag and however and he made them go in and run the, the day after the game he made them run like eight miles because that's how uh, much they got outrun uh, by in the Brentford game so they had to like make up the ground which is dumb ah uh, uh, yes. Yes, makes no sense. That's like 
your grandfather's like type of punishment, I guess. Um, that gives me flashbacks to uh, when I played sports in high school. <laughs> right, and I mean, like, that's the point is that well, maybe, maybe that should, maybe there shouldn't be a corollary between you as a high school athlete and Manchester United, but professional. You, know, <laughs> you say, um, I get the idea, but it just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, but I, I don't think it's impossible that I don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment. But this has not been good. And what worries me more than just the process and the results and the games themselves, which have also been worrying, is all the noise coming out of it. Even Ten Hagen's interviews just seems like exasperated. And the reporters are trying to get like something out of him. And he's like, I already told you the players just aren't uh, doing what I'm done to do. All right. <laughs> I just went. All right, just wrap it up, I guess. Just wrap it up, I guess. Oh, man, put him in a body bag. Put him in a coffin. Just end the season. Um, Looking forward to Manchester United Liverpool on Monday. I'm sure he won't be eating any of these words at all. Nothing, nothing, none of this will come back to bite me. I promise. Shall we get... Can we clip that? Just (laughs) Oh, I know. Listen, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm tempting fate. And listen, I don't care anymore. I got my league title. I got my Champions League title. I got my two. I got all the. I got all the cups. I'm. I'm over it. I don't care. If we don't win another damn thing. Ain't nobody can tell me nothing. Let City win the next thirty league titles and tell me all about how Liverpool aren't actually that impressive. S my D. I'm over it. I just well, because you listen. Here's the problem with listening to United podcasts. Is they love to throw in these barbs, and they must know that I'm listening. They'll say these things about how Liverpool actually people have been talking about Liverpool, but they drew their first two games, and you actually look at their last few years; they actually haven't been that impressive. Really, we're gonna go, we're gonna do that. We're gonna have that discussion. That's where we're at now. I'm glad we're on the deflecting stage of uh, of United's embarrassment, but <sighs> blood pressure went up there a little. But let's get to Chelsea two, Spurs two. <laughs> Speaking of blood pressure spiking, uh, entertaining. Dramatic had a little bit of everything this game, I would say, except mm-hmm. a red card, which there, there should have been one. Well, it was a red card technically at the end, Te- both technically. technically. Uh, both of them very upset that they got red carded. Uh, like school children that were getting suspended the next day or got detention, like, well, I don't think that was where they were red card. <laughs> um, was, I mean, let's not skip to the end, the though, shall we? Uh, Chelsea controlled this game by a pretty good margin, I would say. Uh, definitely stronger in possession, created the better chances. Uh, but Spurs, we've seen this in a lot of these big games. We saw it in the second half of last season. They frustrated City a few times, uh, frustrated Liverpool, uh, frustrated a lot of the other the, the big matchups that they had. They just have a way of, of these big games, and I do think it's a, it's a change in the way that they've they've operated, uh, especially under Conte. There is something to mentality. There is something to, as he would call it, learning to suffer. I love. I just need like a a board with all of Conte's quotes. Uh, like the "I prefer to kill him" quote uh, is one of my favorites. I think uh, of everyone's favorites, but um, I do think there's something to that. I do think a Spurs side under a lesser manager probably isn't even in this game in the 96th minute for Harry Kane to to level it and come out of Stamford Bridge at a point, which, by the way, they've had one win in the league in the last 21 years in Stamford Bridge. Like This has been a place that has been truly horrific for them to go, where they've just not performed well at all. Um, so to go in that kind of uh, situation, that kind of cauldron, and get what is a positive result, I think does speak a lot to Conte and the work that he has done to get this team to. Jurgen Klopp said it about Liverpool when he first came in. You have to change people from doubters to believers. I I truly think there's something to that. I think there's something to change the mentality of the players and of the fans and of expectations. Um, And the expectation that Conte has laid out is not just to be a Champions League team. It is to win the title. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, that wasn't an amazing display. I don't want to make it seem like that because I still feel like Chelsea should have won this game. And Thomas Tuchel feels the same way. He feels that both Spurs goals should have been uh, ruled out. We'll see. But I, I do think this was a kind of mature Spurs performance, I'll say. Um, yeah, definitely no, plenty I, of controversy in this game, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, I just want to start off by saying another example of can they do it in the Premier League happened with Koulibaly's absolutely amazing volley off that corner. That was just incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the Hoiberg goal was kind of uh, – Created thanks to a f- definite foul by Ben. So here's here's where and- here's where this gets 
messy for me. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Because they've introduced the phase of play thing, right? Where it's like it can't be within the same phase of play. You know, they can go back and look at it with VAR. That wasn't in the same phase of play. It's almost like a minute and a half after. Now, of course, it sucks because, you know, obviously it should have been a foul. Definitely. It was a foul, like 100%. And probably even a yellow for Benton Kerr. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because of just the nature of where, like, the, the action happened. And, and, you know, it was definitely, like, one of those professional fouls. Um, and I think the biggest tell is that Bendiker, like, stopped playing. Stop. He got backed up and very clearly <laughs> uh, knew that he just fouled Kai Havertz. And no one blew the whistle. He was like, all right, I'll just play, I guess. Um, but it wasn't in the same phase of play, which yeah. sucks. But, I mean, it's like, again, it's over a minute after that action. I don't know that you can... It very clearly leads to that, but I don't know that you can call it that necessarily. Um, and then Christian Romero gets away with an egregious hair pull on Mark Kukurea. I have I have no clue how Anthony Taylor doesn't see it, and I have no clue how no one on VR points that out because that is a clear foul. It's it's no different than grabbing a jersey, you know. Like it's it's just it. <laughs> I don't. I truly don't understand that one. So Thomas Tuchel does oh, have some okay. legit beef. I I would say I think there was um. Some legit criticism, I think, of the refereeing. Sometimes people get carried away with that kind of stuff, but I do think there's there's some uh, some, think, some some fair criticism very, there. I think it's very entertaining to watch Chelsea just because of how animated Tuchel is on the sidelines. Oh like, my god! Well, like when 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 they score, he's running down the sidelines. Well, let's just get team. to it. Like, let's just oh, no, get no, no, to no, no, it. No, no, no. Let me let me get out. Let me build up. Let me build this up. So so and then every single time there was like another foul that wasn't called or something happened like against Chelsea, he's rushing the fourth referee over on the sideline he's getting like like a foot away in his face like uh Conte's coming over from the other side like so that's the first flashpoint that's the first big flashpoint in this game is after the Hilbert goal uh to tie it up um Conte's celebrating right and he's right on the edge of his technical area and Tuchel fairly enough is complaining to the fourth referee about the Benson Kerr foul on Havertz. And they lock eyes, and it is like two feral cats just going at it immediately in each other's zone. They have to get separated. And it's like, damn, this is where this is headed, isn't it? Um, then uh, Reese James scores, and Tuchel goes sprinting, sprinting down the timeline, uh, timeline, uh, the sideline. Um, and Conte, in his post-match interview, said he loved the celebration. I think he was being a little sarcastic. He said he, he really loved the little jump that he did. He liked it. Um, and Conte had this to say much later. Uh, and it's a screen grab of Tuchel running past Conte on the sideline. He said, and this is this is Antonio Conte saying this, which makes it even funnier to me that Antonio Conte is a laughing cry emoji type of person. Um, Lucky I didn't see you. Making you trip over would have been well-deserved. La three laughing crying emojis. And oh then put in Italian God. for all his for all the boys back home to uh, to know what he's saying. I mean, it's just like next level stuff. Uh, they're going for the handshake at the end. Um, it's like the Zabruder film trying to break down what exactly happened. Uh, apparently, Thomas Tuchel's upset because Conte like didn't look at him in the eye. He does like this to him after and yeah. said it was disrespectful. Uh, but then they both say afterwards that it's all good. Like they just got heated and there's there's nothing like malicious between them. I want to shake his hand. I want to <laughs> shake his hand. <laughs> um, I mean, just the good stuff though. Like just the absolute good stuff. I I got so jazzed when I saw this because listen. Antonio Conte, we know, is a psycho. Thomas Tuchel, underrated, actual psycho. Like, Facts. Antonio Conte is like killing spree type of person. Thomas Tuchel is like hide bodies in my backyard type of crazy. You know, like he's got something bubbling beneath the surface 
in a real menacing kind of way that I don't know gets the credit. Antonio Conte, we've all heard it. We've all heard about the kill him jokes and about you have to be willing to kill your opponent in battle every time you're playing a game. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, Tuchel, Tuchel doesn't get the credit. I think he, he maybe deserves to be a little a little unhinged as well. But um, it was a great game, you know, very entertaining. I think it's going to provide a lot of good storylines. Both of them suspended for the next game, which is interesting. I will say this too, if, if Kai Havertz actually kind of improved the quality of his, his finishing during that game, this could have been in Chelsea's favor pretty quickly. He had a couple chances right in front of the goal that he kind of squandered. That has been the story of Kai Havertz at Chelsea so far. It's just not being clinical enough. Um, and that's, that's a bit of a bummer, I would say. But like you mentioned, Koulibaly, great debut. Great debut goal. I mean, just like clean volley. Almost decapitated Raheem Sterling. Would have felt bad for Sterling if he caught that one to the temple because I think that's that's a lights-out shot, I would say. Um, Sterling getting assists as well for Reese James. Um, like I said, I, I think Chelsea probably, you know, looked like the better team in this game. I think we're – and, you know, it's, it's quelled some of my worries about them. Um, coming into the season, uh, maybe maybe I thought a little too much about Tuchel and his sort of uncomfortableness with uh, with some of the team and how they're performing, um, you know, in preseason and some of the the news out of there. But uh, they've looked okay. You know, the Everson game was not particularly inspiring, but this game was a lot better. Um, and we've seen them play the the big teams pretty well so far, especially under Tuchel. So um, good stuff there. Liverpool were held to a draw again Monday night against Crystal Palace. Uh, uh, yet again, they concede first just not a good recipe for success. Darwin Nunez has a, can't even call it a moment of madness because it was several moments of him trying to headbutt yeah. Joachim Anderson and missed the first time and then connected the second time. Uh, the first time he like threw his head. Really gave it to him. Uh, not his best moment. I saw a really funny tweet. It, it was, um, if he's going to get sent off and get red carded like Luis Suarez, he better fucking start scoring like him. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> I, so and, uh, I was gonna. I wanted to ask you about this because, like, I saw I saw like a little like uh, edit edit of all the. It was basically a camera that was on the matchup between the Crystal Palace center back, I forget his name, and uh, Darwin, and like how the center back has his hands all over him. He's pushing him, and he sees like off the first like two times he does it. It's getting in Darwin's head, and now. You know, there you go. A little bit of shithousery now. I'm going to do this to you all game. He, They were I'm going at it all game. Anderson was, was like, getting very – and that's fine. You're allowed to as a defender. Yeah, but there's a, there's a few, like, fouls he committed on Darwin. Um, mm -hmm. They were they were at each other all game. It bubbled over. He said that, you know, sorry, you know, I, I let it get out of control. And hopefully he, he learns from this. Because it is big, too, because it's, it's a straight red for violent conduct. So that's a free match suspension. Um, and Liverpool are in a little bit of an injury crisis. You don't have Diogo Jota to fill in. Uh, Firmino was struggling with some small injury. Henderson uh, couldn't start the game because of a small injury. You're obviously missing Thiago. Like, you know, Matip couldn't start. He had to play Nat Phillips. Like, it, it was a, a little bit of a, you know, Milner, mm -hmm. Harvey Elliott, Nat Phillips starting. Harvey Elliott is the only one of those three that you could maybe say could be, you know, uh, kind of sort of regular starter for Liverpool right now. Uh, so now with no Darwin for Manchester United on Monday, it does make things a little more interesting because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the forward options for Liverpool are actually pretty thin at the moment. Uh, don't really have a, a ton to pick from there. Luis Diaz with a great solo goal, though, which is great to see. Yeah, um, it was. But yeah, for, for Liverpool, I mean, the very real fact of it is you're already four points behind City. That's going to be the marker for all season. And it's just uh, not the start you expected and wanted. Yep. If you had said that Liverpool were not going to win, uh, either of their first two games. I would have been really shocked by that, actually. And it, it's just sloppy, sloppy play so far this season. They haven't quite figured it out. But they did play very well in the first half. And I, I would say overall the performances have been pretty good. Uh, just need to sharpen up the edges. But you can't really afford to lose ground like this. You know, Liverpool last season, that 1-1 draw against Chelsea in, in the, the early part of the season, 3-3 against Brentford, losing to West Ham. Those ultimately really mattered and, and you know, resulted them in not winning the title. So... Um, you can't count on, you know, just constantly being able to you know, pull off these comeback victories and, and you know, all, all the all the rest. You know, you have to be a little more dominant and, uh, and put your chances away a bit better. Arsenal, speaking of putting away chances, uh, Gabby Jesus, good home debut for him. Two goals and assists against Leicester City. Uh, all around good performance. Arsenal are, are certainly one of the teams I think people are really latching on to. Um, and fair enough. Leicester, look. 
not not the best, not the best we've seen, ever seen. Danny Ward, not the best goalie I've ever seen. Ex Liverpool legend, of course. Um, so the Vardy, the Vardy goal was pretty nice, though. Yeah, he did have his classic uh, throws himself to the ground to get a penalty, uh, and then it got reversed by VAR. I'd love to see what happened. I'd love to see what the British media would have to say if most Salah did that. Uh, just, just curious. Just curious how that would go if a non-white English player uh, dived the way that uh, JB Vardy did. Just wondering. Just wondering. Uh, no, we're not going to talk about it? Okay. It's weird how no one wanted to talk about JB Vardy blatantly throwing himself to the ground. So much of the VR ever thought. Uh, whatever. Uh Nottingham Forest got their first win in, I'm going to call it a robbery. Uh, I don't know how West Ham did not win this game. Um, partly their own fault, I should say. Uh, but Nottingham Forest, certainly lucky, I would say, in this one. Uh, Awini's goal off of a scuffed Jesse Lingard shot, hit off of the bottom of his like knee, shin area, to just bounce into the net. Um, Declan Rice missed a penalty. Declan Rice, not good from the penalty spot. True, true Englishman. You know, he, I know he started, uh, you know, with with the Ireland national team. His true English spirit has come out because he can't convert penalties to save his life. Um, so good for him for really embracing his new nationality. Uh, but not a great start for West Ham. Two losses. You know, obviously one of those is against City. Hard to be too beat up about that one. Uh, but they did not perform very well on that. Um, not clinical enough against Nottingham Forest and couldn't stay on side a few times. They had some goals ruled out. Um, so looking forward to them maybe getting back in some shape. But, all you know, the three promoted teams in England have actually done pretty okay. You know, uh, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest already with a win under their belt. Fulham with a really good draw against Liverpool. They drew Wolves. So, you know, like still looking pretty okay. They had a, a clean sheet, which is like a rarity the last time they were in the Premier League. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the, if you can get, I believe it's, if you get to eight points after your first five games, I believe no team has ever been relegated after reaching that mark. So that is sort of the early season benchmark that you want to be hitting in the Premier League. So um, that's where those teams will be aiming over the next few weeks, although uh, a few of them have some, some pretty challenging schedules, uh, Nottingham Forest included in that. Um Looking forward to this weekend. We've got some good games. Uh, I already mentioned Liverpool, Manchester United, technically on Monday, but, you know, still nice. Um, again, it's it's a little bit interesting, right? Because Liverpool, obviously, some injury issues, uh, some suspension issues. We know, obviously, the status of Manchester United. Always a big game. Always one I get real nervous for just because there's there's a lot more than just the, the result on the line with that one. Uh, early morning on Saturday, got Spurs-Wolves. Looking forward to that um, and seeing where where uh, Spurs take their, their next results. West Ham against Brighton, Newcastle against Manchester City, Chelsea against Leeds on Sunday. Some pretty good stuff there. Uh, Serie A, we've, we've already got some, some pretty big fixtures this weekend too. Um, the biggest for sure, Atalanta against Milan. Uh, Atalanta had a, a pretty comfortable you know first weekend win against Sampdoria. Uh, new man, Adamala Lukman, got a goal. So looking forward to that game. It'll be a big challenge for both of them. Sampdoria against Juventus on Monday. Uh, Roma get Cremonese. Uh, you know, we got Napoli against Monza, Empoli against Fiorentina. Some good stuff all around, I would say, in in both in both leagues this weekend. Plenty to watch. Dom, any final thoughts before we get? Um, out? when it comes to the Serie A matches, I'm excited to watch that Napoli Monza game. Monza seems to be scoring a couple goals here and there. They haven't gotten the. I think they got a draw in their first game, right, and they lost the second, uh, or something like that. Uh, they they've been showing some promising flashes of play. Uh, so nice test for them against a, a, a higher table team in Napoli. Aside from that, uh, follow me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash a hairy ape. Um, I've been very inconsistent recently, but for anybody who does follow the stream, uh, I will be back once FIFA 23 gets closer. Um, I've just been real busy, you know, doing a bunch of stuff, coaching, getting ready for school again, uh, working. So, uh, you know, the, the time that I have the stream is not always here or there. And, and FIFA is basically dead. I don't like streaming anything else. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, follow me there. Uh, FIFA 23 will be coming out soon, like a month or two, like a month. So, uh, looking forward to it. Interesting sidebar. Uh, speaking of back to school, if you live in New Jersey, random, random shout out. August 27th to September 5th, I believe my wife told me, 
back to school uh, products will not have tax on them. Yes, a little, little cheaper, a little more affordable. So you know, hey, maybe there's someone, maybe there's someone listening. I know I gotta get some back to school stuff. You know, there you go. Get get you get your notebooks, get your notebooks a little cheaper. Get those three ring binders a little cheaper. Uh, before we get out of here, we gotta thank you know you know who we gotta thank. This episode of Top Bins was brought to you by Beanio Board. Beanio is the next big tabletop game for your man cave slash she shed. Think paper football meets foosball, and you've got Beanio. Beanio Board is a game and lifestyle brand based in Phoenix, Arizona. Their goal is to provide the highest quality boards and a true brand experience. Every part of their boards have been tested time and time again for the best possible playability, so that every Flickers experience is a positive one. You can bring the world together with Beanio and hear someone's story from the other side of the pitch. Right now, you can go to BeanioBoard.com and use our code BeanioUSP for 10% off your order, including the newly launched limited edition All Survival Board and Team USA and Team Mexico merch. And Kyle dropped this on me when we were recording the main podcast earlier. The new Gila. Gila? 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 Am I saying that? Gila. Gila board. It's like sand. Like, I'm, I'm assuming an homage to the Gila monster, which is one of my wife's favorite animals. I uh, always look forward to that at the reptile house. That's code Beanio. USP, B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P for 10% off your order at BeanioBoard.com. Dom, it has been a pleasure. Listener, it has been a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. We wrap up all these delicious games from this weekend. Uh, but until then, stay safe and happy.